to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Everybody, we are glad you are here. Welcome to episode three of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? All good in your world? Everything's good in my world. Anything new going on with you? Not really, though. As a result of this week's topic, I have implemented some of my own new habits work, I guess you want to call cool. it. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, that's my favorite part about you know, researching for for all the podcasts or, or being on the podcast and talking to people, it cements my own, I was going to say habits, which is you know, our topic today is habits, but it, it makes, it reinforces everything for me. So I think that as we learn about topics that we're sharing on the podcast, it'll help us live a better life too. We're not just sharing, we'll, we'll be implementing the things that we talk about. Yeah. Well, and with just my whole schedule change with the podcast and trying to find time to you know, do the research and put the podcast together and interact with our community, I've realized that I have to use my time way more wisely. And I'm not a good structured person. I I like to go with the flow. So I'm having to train myself to have a little bit more structure in my days. And so I can get everything accomplished that I need to get accomplished. I've actually found that I, I am the most productive when I have a lot going on. Not just because I have to have a lot going on, but I, I'm more attuned to the tasks that I need to do and I don't waste a lot of time. Like I waste a lot of time if I don't have a lot to do. Yes, I do work best under pressure. Yep. That there's something about coming down the wire where you just got to get it all done. But if I've got days to get something accomplished, I can just coast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to be better about just having a, a kind of a daily flow chart of how my days are supposed to go and, and hit them. And and so doing the research for this week's podcast really like cemented some great ideas. I had a bunch of aha moments. And so we're going to share those with our listeners. I'm glad that that makes me happy. Yeah, I keep a to-do list. There's all sorts of ways to keep a to-do list, but I found the only way that works for me is to keep it on my calendar, my iCalendar, the one that comes with Apple. I don't know what you call it, just calendar, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the one that comes with an iPhone. But you know, I've tried different lists and writing it down and putting it here and there in different apps and just having it there in the calendar because I have to look at it every day to see what time I have to do things. So just having, you know, everything right there, like whether it's something simple like today I'm going to organize my shoes. I put that in my calendar. Yeah, I actually found a great app and it's also like a website, like a desktop website. It's called Artful Agenda. And the thing I like about it, it looks like a daily planner. It's all colorful and you can put stickers on it if you want, but it's got like prioritized tasks and then you can have like a running task list every day if you want. You can recur it. You can 
make it recur on just Mondays or whatever. So like, you know, trash goes out on Tuesdays, you put that in your recurring task list for the day. And it imports my calendars from my iPhone, as well as Google and my work Microsoft calendar. So it's really helpful in that I am only going to one place to look at all my calendars and my to-do list and dinner plans. It's all in one place. So that's been really helpful in the last couple of weeks using that. Well, I might have to check that one out. But right now, just it's really working with having that one place to look rather than trying to go all these places. Yeah. I think that's the key. And then you forget to do any of them. <laughs> <laughs> or you're getting in bed and you're like, ooh, what was I supposed to do today? Yeah. Yeah. So, I love it. Well, let's move on to our good news segment. So every show, we'll start our show with our good news segment. And today we are featuring Dennis from Round Rock, Texas. And he was nominated by his wife as our shout out of the week. Uh, She says, my husband, Dennis, deserves my shout out as someone exceptionally special in my life for many reasons. He is my hero and my sunshine. He lifts my spirits daily with gestures such as having the wash caught up and dishes done or mopped floors after I go to bed, just so I can have an easy day once I wake up. It's always a surprise for me. He keeps me in fresh flowers, plus uses his green thumb to create and grow the most amazing tropical plants for our veranda for me to enjoy. I could go on. He's kind, he's even-tempered and energetic, and he loves making me laugh to distract me from stress. He kisses me goodnight every night and reminds me how much and why he loves me. Dennis is a godsend from heaven into my life. He recognizes it's the little things in life that make our life together special. I love that. So, yeah. It sounds like you got a good one. Yeah, it is the little things. It's those those things, the mopping the floor. That's love right there. Yeah, and I don't think I said, that's, this is Diana from Austin, Tech, or from Round Rock, Texas, who shared that. All right. Now, I have actually got some good news out of the research community that I wanted to share because I thought this was really cool. And it really ties in with, with our last week's topic. Um, there's a new study out of the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Public Health, and they found that... Even moderate socializing with friends could ward off dementia in older people. I thought that was very cool. Because you know, I, I know that a lot of times older people become more and more isolated. But instead, that social interaction is key. So they reported the study in the Journal of Gerontology, Physiological Sciences. And the participants who reported greater levels of social engagement had what the um, scientists considered to be quote, more robust gray matter, which sounds really good to me. I want robust gray matter, don't you? You do. <laughs> I look at brains all the time at work. Oh, so see, so, you know. Yeah. I want robust gray matter. And and they found this in the regions of the brain that are generally impacted by dementia. You know, so we all know that physical activity can help prevent diseases, you know, diabetes, heart disease, all those things are positively affected by physical activity. We can also consider prescribing social engagement to ward off dementia. So they studied older people with an average age of 83, and um, they got high scores for things like playing board games, going to movies, traveling long distance, classes, lectures, any kind of adult education events, even going to church and community activities, getting together with their kids, their friends, their relatives at least once a week things like volunteering or working, and there were even benefits to being married or living with other people. And so um, the scientists found that even moderate doses of these activities seem to be beneficial. That is really great research. Yeah. That's exciting to hear. And it really ties into like what we talked about last week 
when people are asking, you know, what do they do with their time when they're, you know, transitioning into retirement? I think it's really important to plan some social activity and 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 travel and and fun into your retirement years. Absolutely, and staying engaged socially instead of just, you know, being at home. And so I know I know it's probably been tricky during coronavirus because this population has had to isolate a little bit more due to increased risks with age, but you know, we can still if we've got older people in our lives, we can still engage with them, you know, through the telephone, write them letters, send them a book of puzzles. I'm amazed by uh, the number of older people that I see who are figuring out Zoom and Mm -hmm. Google meetings and, you know, FaceTime. So I I can't believe how many grandmothers I see who spend time like once a week FaceTiming their grandkids and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that if if Cal and Kate still live in San Francisco once they have kids. I'll be (laughs) mastering the Zoom grandma. I'll I'll be taking lots of flights out there. Yes, I think you will. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners, like the study that I shared today. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes this podcast possible. So let's talk about Pampered Chef. I am so in love with my deluxe air fryer from Pampered Chef. I love it too. Can I just say, Sherry talked me into getting one and I really like it. I'm so glad you love it. Because, you know, I talked to you into getting an air fryer a couple of years ago and you never used it. Well, I got one that's like a combination air fryer toaster oven, but it doesn't do the air frying very well. But it's a fabulous toaster oven, but not a good air fryer. <laughs> yes. Whereas I had an air fryer that I loved, but I couldn't use it for everything. Like I could never, ever get it to work for like roasted broccoli. And I love roasted broccoli. So when I placed my first big order as a consultant, I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get this air fryer and I use it almost every day. So this is funny. I have a closet in my kitchen where my washer and dryer sit behind it. And so I just leave my air fryer on my dryer and it's right there. I just open the doors, use it, close the doors. Nobody sees it. Oh, you use it on the dryer? Ah, I just leave it sit on the dryer. (laughs) It plugs in right behind it. (laughs) It's my washer, dryer, air fryer closet. Love it. And It's like no other air fryer I've ever used. It's got two different trays. You can cook two different things at the same time. It's got a rotisserie. You can like put a rotisserie chicken in there. It has a basket when the basket turns. So you want to put some tater tots in there. It just rotates and you get perfect crispy tater tots. That really is the key for doing potatoes, the basket that rotates. Do you use it? Yes. Yes, I do use the basket that rotates. Like I made french fries from scratch. Uh I made and put them in there so much better. They didn't like stick to the pans or do anything weird. They're rotating the whole time. Right. Yeah. So the air is circulating around them all the time. I mean, like I make amazing like toasted, like almost like panini style sandwiches in there. I chop up broccoli and make roasted broccoli in there. In like eight minutes, I have perfect roast broccoli. It's just a little crispy on the edges. Like I love it. I mean, I literally use it probably two or three times a day. I use it for everything. Did you get the stoneware pans that fit in it? 
I have the mini bar pan. That's what I mean. Yeah, the ones. Yeah. Huh? Me too. So I made um, last night for dinner Kentucky Hot Browns. Have you ever had those before? You know, I don't know if I have. I'm not sure. So I bought some smoked turkey from a little place down the street that smokes meat and I had to reheat it. And so I just sliced it up, put it on my mini bar pan, put it in there. There's a reheat function that works great. You just turn on the reheat function, slide it in there. It's great for reheating a slice of pizza. It's like it came right out of the pizza oven. I mean, literally anything you can think of. I make great chicken Parmesan in my air fryer. My husband loves it. That's his favorite. So if you've ever had an air fryer, maybe you had the basket type air fryer. This is so much better. This is like a little mini oven. The door opens. The door actually comes off for easy cleaning. The racks are super easy to clean. It's just like the easiest, best appliance I've ever owned. So if you'd like to check this out, you can go to our website at lifelessonscommunity.com under the Shop With Us tab, or there is an order link on my Facebook business page at Pampered Chef colon Life Lessons Community. Awesome. So now it's time for our Life Lesson of the Week. And this week, like I talked about earlier, we are going to discuss habits. So important. Yes. Habits are really the foundation of everything, good and bad. I mean, everything we do, almost everything we do is is we do it out of habit. Yes. And James Clear is the New York Times bestseller author of Atomic Habits. And um, so I went to his book because I had heard so many great reviews of it um, from our community members and just people out and about. And funny story, when Jen got on the New York Times bestseller list, we were together um, at the beach and right, I think he was above you. He was number three. I was number, you were number four. four. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were on the, uh, at the same time. We were neighbors. On the and list. at the same time, she was actually reading his book. I was. I was sitting on the beach reading Atomic Habits, and I was four and he was three. And it, and I got the call from my literary agent telling me that I was on the New York Times bestseller list. And it was very exciting. And there was James Clear next to me. So it's only right for us to talk about his work, Atomic Habits. Yeah. So, I mean, I could talk about this for hours and we don't have that kind of time. So I'm going to try. I've tried to condense sort of the most important key points of what I've learned. So like a brief synopsis is like one thing that he said that was really impactful to me is that he talks about how your habits shape your identity and vice versa. So the easiest way to explain this is to share something about myself. So I've always been a person who incorporated daily exercise into my life. It's just like who I was. I was that girl who got up and did something physically active every day, whether it be bike or hike or kayak or walk or rebound on my rebounder. Every day I knew that I was going to get physical exercise in. And then I got sick last winter um, and I was pretty sick for about seven or eight weeks. And it took another month or so for my lungs to really come back. And I just couldn't work out no matter how hard I tried. And once I got better, suddenly I was not a girl that worked out anymore. And here it is October now when we're recording this, and I have just got back into the habit of exercising. And the way he explains it is that I was an exerciser. That was part of my identity. And then I got sick and I stopped doing that and I lost that part of my identity. So as you build a habit, it becomes part of your identity. And then again, as I build on this habit, once again, I will be an exerciser. Yeah. 
And I just thought that was a really fascinating way to look at it. And I think we see that in the fasting community. That's what I was going to say exactly. You know, my my identity is Jen Stevens' intermittent faster. I am an intermittent faster. I'd, you know, before reading his book, I'd never thought of intermittent fasting as a habit. But, but it is. It's my intermittent fasting habit. I wake up and I'm fasting. And so that that is my identity. And I would not stop doing it because it's who I am. Yeah. And sometimes people come into the groups and they say, oh, I can't eat once a day. I have to eat three times a day. But that is their identity, right. is they are a person who eats all day. So they have to practice a new identity by practicing new habits. Exactly. And that's, you know, he does talk about this and stress it. And it's just really good advice. You know, start small. Start with obtainable goals that you can do. You know, and I've got this for those people who are intermittent fasters listening. Of course, this is not an intermittent fasting podcast. But in my book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, I have a a section where people can do the 28-day fast start. And it's the same idea. I had not read Atomic Habits yet when I wrote that section, but it's still, it's building. You start with something you can do. You know, so let's say you want to be an exerciser like Sherry. You're going to have your identity be, I am someone who exercises every day. You don't start with a marathon. You know, just like with intermittent fasting, you don't start with doing a 24-hour fast. You work your way up to it. So you're like, okay, every day, maybe you're going to start small. He, He uses the idea of two minutes in his book. You're going to do it for two minutes. All right. So every day I'm going to do something for two minutes. He even tells the story of this guy who went to the gym. Do you remember that story, Sherry? The guy who went to the gym for for five minutes, I think the guy was going to do every day. He put on his clothes, went to the gym and stayed for five minutes. And he did that every single day. And then eventually he was like, all right, I'm just going to stay a little longer today. Yeah. Because he had built that habit. I might as well stay a little longer. Right. And so you know, if you were going to build up to run a marathon, you would do something like Couch to 5K, where you start with little bitty pieces and you build your way up. And then eventually, over time, your body is strong enough to run that marathon. So, you know, instead of focusing on the outcome, I am going to run a marathon, you have to focus on the steps that you need to go through to reach that outcome and the habits that you need to develop to reach your goals. So what you do is you build on those habits and we'll have a more, we'll be more likely to have success in the long run. Yeah, I, I think of a staircase in my head. Mm-hmm. And the top of the staircase is your, is your goal. Right. That's your final outcome. But you have so many steps you have to reach to get there. And you may have some setbacks and you may step back a step, but then you recover and you keep moving forward. And eventually over time, you get to the top of the staircase. There's a graphic. Have you seen the graphic people have been sharing recently with the two ladders side by side? I haven't. There's, I've seen it a, a, like several times. It's making the rounds. On the left is a ladder with teeny tiny space between the rungs. Lots of rungs, little space between them. You're taking tiny little steps up the ladder. And the other ladder has big rungs that are really far apart. Like they're so far apart, you can't even get up that ladder. And so the, the analogy there is little tiny steps day to day get you to the top, whereas these giant steps, you're not going to get there because you just can't, can't manage them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and when you set your goal too high to climb that giant step and you can't right. do it, then you feel like a failure. And right. and it's not really that you're a failure. It's that you didn't make your habit obtainable. Correct. So he says there are four laws of habit formation. So we'll go over those real quick. The first law is make it obvious. 
write down which habits you desire and which ones you want to give up and then set, set your intentions. I will X, Y, Z at this time at this location. So for me, I will work out at 10 a.m. every day. It is now on my calendar and I will not schedule anything else at that time. And I have a reminder alert that goes off in advance so that whatever I'm working on, I have time to finish up and I have no excuses for not working out at 10 a.m. And then he suggests using habit stacking. And this is when you take a current habit you already do and add a habit to it. So I hate unloading the dishwasher and I put it off, which makes cooking dinner a chore. So I want to break that bad habit. So I started a habit stack and every day I wake up and drink coffee. So now I wake up, start my coffee and unload the dishwasher while I wait for it to brew. And I actually learned this technique after staying with Jen. Yep, that's my my habit. <laughs> so yeah, maybe you want to build a, a gratitude practice and every morning you wake up and you brush your teeth first and then you follow your toothbrushing with practicing gratitude. And a lot of people like will do that in the mirror in their bathroom and they just look at themselves in the mirror and they say what they're thankful for. So you're stacking one habit that you want to build on top of a habit you already have and they they go together. And so you're more likely to do the second one because it just stacked up right there on top of the one you're already doing. Yes, you're not like creating a whole new time for something. Exactly. And we actually have had a listener who wrote in, Leah from Virginia. She says, one thing that I found helpful regarding starting a new habit is to, quote, piggyback your new habit on a routine you already do. So that's exactly what we were talking about there. And she says, as a very basic example, if you want to start a new skincare routine, then tie it into your morning toothbrushing routine. You're not going to forget to brush your teeth. Hopefully, haha, ha, that's what she says, but she's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think about brushing my teeth. It's just something I do. I get up, I brush, I go about my day. It's not something I'm like, should I brush today or should I not? It's not even a question, you know? Um, and she also refers to it as habit stacking. And she says, I feel like it takes away the pressure of trying to remember to do a new habit. Yes, you still have to remember it, but you've already assigned it a place in your daily routine where it will fit. On the flip side, often I find that if I'm having difficulty breaking a, quote, bad habit, then it is usually unintentionally stacked on part of my daily routine. Example, coming home from work and pouring a glass of wine as I start to cook dinner. If I came home at noon, then I wouldn't crack open that wine bottle, but it seems natural as I cook dinner. I think that's true. Right. Yeah. I know my husband, when he gave up smoking cigarettes, he gave up drinking beer because in his mind, beer and cigarettes went together. So what he found was that when he drank a beer, the habit of smoking a cigarette was really strong. So he just gave up both. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like when I'm at the beach, you know, I'm not doing a lot of drinking these days because I've figured out that alcohol doesn't work well for my body um, since I'm a slow alcohol metabolizer, which is a bummer. I'm still getting through that because I like wine, but <laughs> I also like to feel good. But I figure I have figured out that being at the beach makes me want to have a, a glass of wine. Because it's vacation. Yeah, I'm having to break that association. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen. So he says to design your environment for success. So if you constantly feel like your life is lacking, stop following social media accounts that are glossy and perfect. If you feel like you waste too much time watching TV, take the TV out of your living space. Or Jen thinks she needs to have a glass of wine at the beach. Take the <laughs> wine out of the condo. 
And also, you know, with designing your environment for success, when you're trying to develop a positive habit, you know, I like to think of it as like having the thing you want to remember to do there so you'll like, quote, trip over it, you know, like if I want to remember to take a supplement with my dinner every night, I might forget to do it because I'm not in the habit of doing it. But if I place that supplement on the placemat where I'm going to eat dinner, it's right there. My environment is a success. I can't forget to do it because it's right there so that I, I can't miss seeing it. Yeah, that's a great tip. Mm-hmm. So the second law is to make it attractive. For example, the, he calls something temptation bundling, which sounds really fun, right? Temptation bundling. So pair an action that you want to do with an action that you need to do. For example, I want to listen to an audiobook, but I need to work out. So you could say, well, I'm only going to listen to audiobooks when I'm working out. So that if you put those two things together, you're always going to, to do them. For me, it's jumping on my rebounder. That's the, I pair that with watching television. So I need to jump on my rebounder and be a little more active. I want to watch something on television. So I have the rebounder right there in the corner of my living room. So I have them paired together and it's attractive to jump on the rebounder. If the rebounder was somewhere boring and I just had to stare at the wall, I probably wouldn't want to do it. He also suggests that you join a culture where your desired behavior is the norm, because I I think this is so very true. People imitate the habits and thoughts of those around them. He actually had a a great example in his book that I thought was fascinating. It was was some lines, and it was very obvious which line was the same as the other line when you looked at the images. But he had people in a room, or there were people in the room in the study. It wasn't him. He didn't do this study. But in the study, people were in the room, and The more people who gave the wrong answer, like they gave the wrong answer on purpose, the more people who gave the wrong answer on purpose, the people who knew that was the wrong answer still gave the wrong answer because they wanted to follow the crowd. Yes, I thought that was fascinating. Yes. And it just shows that, you know, how, you know, peer pressure can work for us or against us. People knew that was the wrong answer, but because everyone else had said it, and the more people who are saying it, the more likely you are to just to say the wrong answer just because everyone else is. So... That can work to our benefit if we are surrounded by people who do the things we want to do. But it can be a big detriment if if we're surrounded by people who are doing the things we don't want to do. He also suggests creating a, a motivation ritual so that you do something you enjoy right before doing something that's difficult and that those two things are paired together. So then we associate the thing we're not so sure we want to do with that positive feeling. I'm trying to think of an example of that. He says that you that you really have like that positive vibe and you carry it into that next activity that that you're kind of dreading, but you go into it with a positive feeling instead of a dreadful feeling. And eventually that that positively positivity overflows into what you're doing. And you begin to associate the positive feelings with that activity that carry over from the previous activity. Yes. So like, for instance, say you really dread calling your mother once a week. (laughs) (laughs) I bring this up because a friend of mine does this at work every Sunday night. I was just thinking, I feel so bad for the people who don't love calling their mother, but happy for the people who do love calling their mother. mother. (laughs) So you would say, call a friend that's going to make you laugh and happy before you call your mother so that you go into it in a better frame of mind. There you go. (laughs) Or if you love calling your mother, call your mother first (laughs) and then do the other task. (laughs) 
And so also reframe your habits to highlight their benefits rather than their drawbacks. For example, if you're trying to save money for for something big, you know, you can frame it in your mind like, oh, I'm scrimping, I'm saving, I can't do what I want to do. Instead, focus on the positive, like, ooh, I didn't spend money on that latte because I'm going to take this money and, and put it towards my big vacation that I want to go on. And so it, instead of feeling like you are depriving yourself of something, you feel like you're making better use of, of it for something else. Delay, don't deny. I was just thinking that. <laughs> Somebody once said, delay, don't deny. Oh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> but it works for so many things, you know, and we find in the, the support groups, the fasting support groups, that people who have the mindset of fasting is hard and I'm having to get through this have a harder time developing it as a habit because they're just talking about all the things they can't do right now instead of focusing on the positives you know, what's happening for my body during the fast, and then what benefit is this giving me later? Right. So the third law is make it easy. He says you want to reduce friction. You want to decrease the number of steps between you and your good habit. You know, and I think this is kind of like what I said before about having to stumble over something. You know, if I want to take this supplement that I need to have, I have it where I can't miss it. But if I have it put away up on a high shelf, I'm not going to remember to take it or see it or do it. Or if I have to pull out my rebounder from the garage, I'm not going to jump on it. It has to be convenient. Yeah, I was going to say earlier when you said your rebounder is right in front of the TV. That's great. You have reduced friction. You want to prime your environment. So if I want to unload my dishwasher every morning, that means every night I need to make sure that all the dishes are in the dishwasher and it's been run. If Mm -hmm. not, I cannot follow through with that good habit that I'm trying to cement. Habit formation occurs when a behavior progressively becomes more automatic through repetition. So he says that there's a lot of talk out in the community as it takes 21 days to form a habit or 30 days to form a habit or 66 days to form a habit. And he said there really is not a clear cut number of days that it takes to instill a habit. It is more about the number of repetitions and that it's going to be different for different things. That makes sense. Once you pass that, I think he calls it a habit threshold, and you get to the other side of it, now it's just part of your daily routine. He also says you want to optimize small choices that deliver the most impact. Habits that fit into the flow of life are easiest to maintain. So you want to choose a gym near your work or your home and not clear across town. Uh, If you struggle with eating more vegetables because you think they take too long to prepare, buy them pre-chopped. Start with the two-minute rule. Scale down any new habit into a two-minute segment. So do yoga daily becomes take out my yoga mat every day. The habit of I want to read before bed every night becomes I'm going to read one page before bed each night. I want to fold the laundry in completion becomes I'm going to put away the socks. And then last, you want to automate your habits. So say you want to pay your bills on time and stop paying late fees. Employ a bill pay service. You want fresh foods available to cook at home instead of grabbing takeout. Have groceries or milk kits delivered to your home. Make them accessible. That one is huge for me. That one just really changed my life because the meal kits make all the difference. That means I'm going to have something healthy, something with vegetables versus if I have to plan it every day, forget it. 
Yeah, there's no excuses there. You have built in a no excuse plan. It's true. And the food arrives and then I have to use it because it's there. And if I don't, it'll go to waste and I will have wasted money. And so I'm going to have the butternut squash chili because it's in my fridge to be cooked instead of something, you know, that you could grab quickly. Plus, I'm also happy to have it. Yes. And really, when it's in your house and ready to cook, I know sometimes my husband will say, oh, don't cook. We'll just go grab something. But I mean, it takes me 30 minutes to put dinner together and it's going to take me way longer to leave my house Mm -hmm. and go somewhere to grab something and come home than it is just to cook the food that's already in the refrigerator. Yeah. So one thing he said, too, that struck me, I wouldn't have thought about this as an automate your habit. But he said, if your goal is to sleep better and you know your mattress isn't any good, buy a new mattress. You have now made like an investment into your habit. Yeah, that's a very good point. When you invest in something, you're more likely to stick to it. That's what I've found to be true for me. Very true. So the fourth law is make it satisfying. So you can use reinforcement. You know, I was a teacher, and we used a lot of positive reinforcement for our students. Do that with yourself. Give yourself a reward when you complete something that you want to to reinforce as a habit. So you tell yourself, after I do this one task, then I can do the thing I want to do. Well, like, Go to Facebook, watch TV, you know, whatever. Um, Also, when you're avoiding a bad habit, find a way to make it enjoyable. Just like we talked about before, instead of going out to eat and spending money on that, put money into a vacation fund. And every time you avoid a a bad habit, you reward yourself with money in the vacation fund. Also, habit trackers and apps are fantastic. One example for me was when I was trying to cement intermittent fasting as a habit, and I was going back to the daily eating window approach. This was way back in 2016, I believe it was. Yes. My son, Cal, made an app for me because there wasn't one on the market that had what I was looking for. But just going into that app, clicking the button, open window, and then at the end of my eating window, clicking close window. That made all the difference. Just having that click, click. And you know, a lot of people say that, that apps have made a difference for them as well. So whatever you're tracking, use the habit tracker. And you were talking about an app before we started recording. Do you want to share that one now? What was it called? Oh, Stick? Yeah. Okay. So I did find this website while I was doing some research. And it's called Stick, S-T-I-C-K-K.com. And you sign up and basically you make a commitment to a habit and it can really be anything. They have like some pre-filled out goals, but you can make a custom goal. So one of the goals I made is that I'm going to recycle plastic bottles in my house. And it's not a habit that I have, but we just recently got a plastic recycling and I wanted to utilize it. So every day I'm going to recycle my plastic bottles, which means I have to really consciously remember to put them in a separate trash can. And... I'll go in and say, I made my habit. Well, when you set the commitment, you set it up to, you don't have to, but I did this because I'm not going to lose money on this. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like making a bet with yourself. Right. So you can basically say you're going to pay X dollars a day that you don't meet your, your habit for that day that you're trying to build. And you set a duration. So like I set mine for eight weeks. Because I felt like after eight weeks, I should fully have this habit cemented. And I said I was going to pay $3 a day if I did not meet my habit. And then you choose where that money's going to go. And you can choose a, a charity of your choice. Or you can choose an anti-charity 
<laughs> that one makes me laugh. So. It almost seems <laughs> like a charity that, that, that supports something you don't. Yes. If there's a charity that supports something that you don't, that you don't support and you don't want to give your money Against to them. That, yeah. yeah. And then you don't meet your habit. You're now paying that charity that you do not support. I mean, I honestly could see that would be more motivating than paying the charity you do support because like I would use that as an excuse. Well, I didn't meet my goal today, but that's okay. It's supporting this charity that I love, so no big deal. But instead, oh, I didn't meet my goal today and the money is going to go to this group that is the opposite of what I believe in. I'm not going to do that. That's exactly what I did. I mean, it's kind of like evil genius. Like I love it and I feel bad at the same time. <laughs> you know. So then you you can nominate whether like well you choose whether or not it's like an honor system or you if you really feel like you need that extra like accountability, you can assign like a friend or family member to basically be like your coach and they have to report whether or not you were honest. I think that's great. What a, what a, so what was it? Stick, Stick STI ckk.com. Uh-huh. That sounds great. All right, we'll yep. check them out. So, you know, and when you're really trying to develop a habit, you don't want to miss something twice, twice in a row. So if you want to work out every single day and one day there's something wrong, you're sick, there's something, emergency happens, you know, it's okay. But you don't want that to happen again the next day. So if you go two days, now you're starting to create a habit of not working out. So you want to make sure that you don't miss twice. So one of our community members, Tiffany Henschel, has found that habit tracking is vital for her. And she says, I would say the most important concept for developing habits and achieving goals is to find a system that you will use and use it. I personally use Ryder Carroll's bullet journal system. This is Tiffany talking, not me. I've never used it. Have you used a bullet journal, Sherry? I have not. I, people swear by them. It's it's a whole, I looked into it after reading this that Tiffany submitted because I've heard people talk about bullet journals. I mean, it is like a community of people that are like really into bullet journals. I'm going to be honest and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> It's a it's a, a little journal, and, and people turn them into works of art. So she says that um, she, Bujo, which is short for bullet journal, I guess, in the community, the her Bujo, and they might even say it in a different way. They might be like, Jen, you sound so dumb. That's not how we say it. I don't know. <laughs> but I've never used one, so forgive me. She says, my Bujo is not crafty at all. It's simple and functional and indispensable. It's just, it's not something I've done, but the people who do it love it. I've got to look into that more. Yeah, I'll be running to Google when we finish here today. Checking out the bullet journal. So he has some tips on how to break a bad habit. He says you want to reduce exposure, remove the cues of your bad habits from your environment, make it unattractive, reframe your mindset. So you want to highlight the risk for continuing your bad habit and remind yourself of the benefits. Also, you want to increase friction. We talked earlier about you want to decrease friction. When it's a bad habit, you want to increase friction. So say you only want to drink alcohol on special occasions. So if that's your goal, if that's your end goal, you need to maybe keep alcohol out of your house and only buy it when you have a special occasion. 
or at least put it up on a really high shelf clear in the back where you have to really create friction to get to it. You have to work for it if you want to break and if you want to do that task that you're trying to, to break. Another suggestion he says is like, if you feel like you are spending too much time zoning out in front of the TV, you want to take the batteries out of the remote control. He even suggests taking the TV and putting it in a closet and only getting it out for really important, you know, occasions, that TV show that you really want to watch. And you perfectly have permission to do those things when you want to do them, but it's going to be harder. And so you're going to think twice. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then he says, get an accountability partner, uh, make a habit contract. And that's sort of what that stick website does. You're making a habit contract. And if you choose to have a coach or I can't remember what they call them, like a referee, maybe that's sort of an accountability partner. And so he says, you know, if you don't do X, Y, Z, you must do something you don't like. So maybe you make a contract with your spouse. If you don't follow through on the commitment you make, you have to go eat out at their favorite restaurant that you hate, or you have to buy your spouse a new video game. You want it to make it really hurt you. Or or donate to a charity that you don't support. (laughs) I'm still laughing at that one. (laughs) I thought it was genius because I don't like to give my money away and certainly not to a charity that I don't support. So we have a listener, Sarah, and she shared something that was helpful for her. She says, this is for, quote, unhabiting. If you are consuming too much of something, food, drink, or otherwise, my advice is to stop before you buy it. If you are trying to kick a soda or smoking habit, if you don't buy it, you won't have it to consume. So she is controlling her exposure to these items by not purchasing them. Yeah, when I first realized, you know, really, I only want to drink alcohol on special occasions, what I did is I took all of the the white wine and Prosecco and champagne out of my wine cooler. I took it all out and put it in the pantry. I didn't pour it out or throw it away. I mean, I'm going to drink wine sometimes. I'm not not going to drink ever again for the rest of my life, but it's not convenient. I would have to plan ahead because it's not just chilled and ready to go. Yeah. I can't spur of the moment decide to go have a glass of champagne. And I have actually experienced this in that when – in August, I really cut back on alcohol as well, as I realized it was really impacting my sleep. And maybe in earlier this month, I bought a six pack of this craft beer that I was like, oh, I want to try that. And it was in my refrigerator. And where I'd not been in the habit of reaching for a beer at dinner time, once it was in my refrigerator, I found myself reaching for it. Right. And I was like, wow, when it wasn't here, I didn't think anything about it. But when it's there, it's really easy just to mindlessly grab it and and drink it. So Absolutely. Yeah. Just make it a little bit harder. I didn't have to get it out of the house. I just had to make it not cold. Yeah, because I would never leave my house to go get beer. I wouldn't be like, right. oh, I want beer. I'm going to go get it. No, it's one of those things I pick up while I'm at the store. Exactly. Yeah. One thing that I loved that James Clear emphasizes that we are really all the same. You know, you see the people who look like they have it all together and they have the great habits and they're super motivated. It's not that they were born with it. It's that they've developed it. So people that 
have been reading my books and following me for a while know that one of my very favorite books in the world is Mindset by Carol Dweck. And that really changed me as a teacher and the way I talked to kids and also the way I approach things that I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do. Habits are the same. You know, you can just look at habits and say, oh, well, I'm somebody who doesn't have good habits. It's too late. Well, we learned from the book Mindset that if you have a growth mindset, you know that you can change. And this is an example of that. You may not have it all together right now, and other people look like they do, but you can change. So develop that growth mindset. Know that you can change your habits. You can develop better habit formation. It's not too late for you at any age. You can learn new habits, and you can become motivated to keep them. And you do that by setting small achievable goals, and you implement your habit practice that supports them. So we have something from a listener Janine from Eugene, Oregon, and one of the strategies that she employs, and it was to recommend the book Atomic Habits, which I loved. And she said, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear really helped me identify ways to help create a new habit and change a bad habit. When you want to craft a new habit, no matter how small, you want to make it easy. For example, with the need to take a new prescription medicine, I set it out on the bathroom counter. When I see it in the morning, I take it and then put the bottle away. At night, I brush my teeth and move it back onto the counter. I can easily see if I've taken it. Of course, I could use a pill minder with the days of the week, but this is just an example. For a bad habit I want to change, I need to make it hard. Say I like to eat too many pieces of chocolate after a meal. I want to save them for special occasions so I can lose a little weight. I would move the chocolate to the back of the freezer in the garage so I don't see it on the usual snack shelf. I need to make it hard to get out of the routine of reaching for it each day. That's just like that beer example that you shared, Sherry. Yes. And I like that she used the term crafting a new habit. I like that too. Yeah, I like that terminology. Another listener, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia, he shared, I joined the 5 a.m. club rising each day at 5 a.m., and it has caused life productivity to go through the roof. I read the 5 a.m. club book by Rohan Sharma, and I went from there. I just started getting up at 5 a.m., and I developed habits around my work exercise and my mental health using contemplation as a kickstart to my day. I did a 66-day challenge to form the habit of rising at 5 a.m. And on our Going Back to Sleep episode, <laughs> this is what made me think of that. I thought, Graham must be a lion. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Before you even said that, I was like, this would work really well for all the lions out there. So 5 a.m. works for him because his body is primed for work at that time. Yeah. And that's great. So he's taking what's like natural for his body and using it to create stronger habits. And, you know, James Clear talks about this as well. I loved that. It was towards the back of the book. He talks about your natural talents and you need to learn to work with them. Yes. So if you know that you are not a lion, like we talked, if you haven't, don't know what we're talking about, listen to episode one, the sleep episode. If you're not a lion, this is going to be a very frustrating habit for you to try to build. You need to try yes. to come up with something else. So maybe you use the tips from the book, but... Your 5 a.m. is really 6.30 a.m. Exactly. It doesn't have to be 5 for you. <laughs> so, we, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg with Atomic Habits, and we really would encourage y'all to go get the book for yourself. So if you go to lifelessonscommunity.com, we have something there called Jen and Sherry's Book Club. And whenever we talk about a book that we love and, and go through it, you'll find a link to it there. You'll also find a link in the show notes where you can find it. 
And um, Sherry's going to put a copy of James Clear's Habit Tracker template that you can print out and use right there in the show notes for us. And really, you know, go read it for yourself. Because as I said, we've only hit the the highlights, the tip of the iceberg, and there's so much more to it. You know, he puts in all sorts of interesting stories. And it really, you know, even if every day, how about a habit of reading two minutes of Atomic Habits every single morning? Stack that habit on something you're already doing. And then by the time you get to the end, you'll be equipped to make all sorts of habit changes. What do you think about that? I'll add that I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I don't listen to nonfiction well. It's too dry for me. I have a hard time getting into it. But I had his book downloaded on Audible for I don't even know how long I've had it, maybe over a year. And when we started planning this podcast, I thought, well, I'll start listening to it. And if I can't, I'll just order the book. But actually, he actually narrates the book and he does a great job and he just gets you really into the story. So Mm -hmm. if you are not a person that feels like you have a lot of time to read, this is something you could listen to while you're driving to work or getting ready in the morning. I, I don't recommend myself a lot of nonfiction books to listen to, but I would recommend his. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, ButcherBox. ButcherBox is my go-to source for high-quality meat that I can trust. Uh, There's so much demand for ButcherBox right now that they recently had a wait list for months. Isn't that incredible to think about? So many people wanted it, they couldn't get it. They're like, sorry, you're on the waiting list. Yeah, I think more and more people are paying attention to where their meat is sourced from. Yeah. So they have recently opened their doors back up to new customers. And once you have a ButcherBox membership, you'll have access to incredible member deals and new products, such as uh, recently they released lobster, bison, and cod. They are an amazing community that believes in better. For ButcherBox, better means treating our planet with respect. It means caring about the lives of animals and livelihoods of farmers. Ultimately, it means better meals enjoyed together. You can choose from 100% grafts fed beef, and that's important to me, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, and wild-caught seafood. And all of those things are things I look for um, in my meat sources. You can get a range of high-quality cuts from ground beef to filet mignon at an amazing value. Shipping is always free. They deliver to your door on your schedule, and you can cancel any time. For new members, ButcherBox always has a fantastic special offer, and we will always have the most current offer linked on the Shop With Us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com. So head over to lifelessonscommunity.com, go to the Shop With Us tab, and find the ButcherBox special offer. Every time you order from ButcherBox, you help us bring you the podcast, and you can be sure you are giving your family the best meat available to you. Awesome. And I enjoyed it a all you can. really delicious <laughs> ribeye last night from ButcherBox. Yeah, she and sent me a text and amazing. told me about it. Yum. I get really excited about delicious meat. That's true. <laughs> Sherry does. I've seen it happen. Also, I have to tell everybody, Sherry is much better at cooking meat than I am. Sherry has learn. made me some delicious steaks. I know because I have a growth mindset and I know that I can learn. <laughs> and you have a great teacher. I do. So next time you'll have to teach me a little bit more about how to make, I I don't know. It's just not something I've been good at. Cooking meat is not my skill yet. Let's just say. So your new mindset is that you're going to be a great meat cooker. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) 
All right, now we have our segment, which is our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And today's listener-led lesson is laundry hacks. We have one from Carly Hawthorne. She says, to make laundry sorting easier, for clean laundry, she keeps a big basket next to her dryer. On laundry days, as she is pulling laundry out of the dryer, she throws all the socks and underwear in that basket, and it keeps them from getting mixed in with other clothes and makes them easier to pair and put away. By the way, I have an atomic habit when it comes to laundry, and that is I just do it. You know, some people have like laundry baskets sitting all around. And sure, boy. You got to develop a new habit. Maybe you can't jump on your rebounder until you put your laundry away. Well, maybe I should jump on the rebounder first so I have positive feelings going into maybe doing laundry. Yeah, because I just put my laundry away as I'm going and I never have ba- baskets. It's so of laundry. I'm married to somebody who lives out of laundry baskets, though, so, <laughs> you know, he could do what he wants to do. All right. We also have one from Kathy Calvert. When adding liquid detergent to your washer, throw the entire lid or measuring cup into the wash. When you move your laundry to the dryer, return it to the detergent jug. It keeps the cap clean and prevents it from getting gunked up with detergent. That's a very cool tip. Did you know that tip? No. I don't think mine's gunked up with detergent. I actually used to do this, but I don't use liquid detergent anymore. Oh, you know why? It's because I don't measure it. That's why. The reason mine is not gunked up is because I don't pour it into the lid. I just pour it straight. Yeah. This does not surprise me knowing Jen. <laughs> well, are you a measurer or a pourer? I'm a measurer. Well, see, my my washing machine, I have front loaders. And my front loader has like a little dispenser and you just pour in just the right amount. Okay. Well, that's a little different. Okay. That's a little different. But I, I've watched you cook, and I know you just like yeah, Well, I do just pour. I do. Pour that a is little a, of that in. Yeah. And I all the time, you know, I, I get the meal delivery companies. There's several I rotate. But I'll be like reading the recipe. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then I'll do it completely different. Like there'll be one ingredient that's supposed to go in the carrots. Instead, I put them in the potatoes. I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's way better. And I'll show my husband. I'm like, look what it was supposed to be. And look what I did instead. Jen is a wild child in the kitchen, if you ever watch her cook. That's true. It's quite a show. But it's always delicious. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote goes well with the topic of habit formation. And it comes from Rhonda Douglas in Marbury, Alabama. She says, you will never always be motivated. So you must learn discipline. And I feel like that's a, a really strong quote. She says, this can apply to so many aspects of life from relationships to career, to weight loss, to procrastination, and so much more. I have been the person that has succeeded in all aspects of life with the exception of weight management. I will say I'm guilty of procrastinating at times. All of the years that I have been in weight loss groups, mostly Weight Watchers, people are always looking for inspiration and motivation to take the first step or stay on track. I am a guilty party to that mindset in my past as well until I came across this quote. It is up to me. Yes, it is helpful to see and hear other people's success stories for inspiration and motivation, but that does not always stick. Motivation comes and goes. I have to be disciplined when I'm lacking motivation. It was crazy to me that I could be disciplined in all other areas of my life, but when it came to food, it was like all disciplines were thrown out the window. So I would seek out other people going through the same thing and then justify my behavior. 
This quote made me think deeply about discipline and making a decision or choice and sticking with it. No excuses, pure discipline. I think about this quote every day as I'm working towards my weight loss goals. Well, I love that. And it really builds with the habits, doesn't it? It really does. And when she said that she would seek out other people going through her same journey and then justify her behavior, Mm -hmm. that kind of goes back up to what we were talking about earlier was surround your people, surround yourself with people that are like, like like-minded and working on the same goals that you're working on. Yep. And you'll be more likely to stick to them. So that is our show for today. We are out of time. And thank you for joining us today. We want you to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. That's where we gather a lot of the things we're sharing with you today. Also, you can share your good news segment story, your listener-led lesson, your motivational quote by emailing us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Um, Make sure to subscribe to our podcast through your favorite podcast app. And we also would love to have your positive reviews on our podcast. It helps listeners find us. Yes. And also, if you love what we're doing here, share us with your friends. Definitely. Talk to you next week. Bye. See you later.